Colorado and the Rocky Mountain Mile High region. What is up? It is Denver Sports Tonight. I'm your host, Cecil Lammy. Here to talk about all things Denver Broncos. Because guess what? <laughs> Nuggets have won it all. Abs are off. Nobody cares about the Rockies. Um, still fun to go to a baseball game. Sorry, Colin. I know, Colin, you're a baseball guy, which always trips me out because you're like a young dude. And you love baseball, and the average age of a baseball fan is 65. Is that weird to you? I mean, maybe I'm an old soul, but uh, I, was ju- <laughs> I was just in Atlanta, actually, watching okay. the Rockies get worked. All right. All right. There you go. In Atlanta, Third watching the Rockies get worked. It sounds about right. Yeah. Either way, here to chop it up about the uh, Denver Broncos. And listen, all apologies or all due respect or whatever to Keyshawn Johnson talking about Dalvin Cook. Saving Sean Payton, helping out Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos. And listen, the idea of Dalvin Cook is awesome. The idea of paying a running back $10 million, $10.4 million, uh, is what he may be seeking. And it's interesting because the Los Angeles Rams, who just brought back, uh, what, Sony Michelle, right? After a year with the Chargers. So Michelle is back with the Rams. They reworked Cooper Cup's deal exactly $10.4 million. So the conspiracy theorists were out there saying, like, oh, they're clearing up space for Dalvin Cook. Yeah, whatever. It's the Rams. It's Matthew Stafford. He's 100 years old. Like, I don't I don't buy into that at all. People say Miami. Tyree Kill's under investigation. How about that, everybody? Like, here we go again. Um, I think I just read he just got cleared. Did he get cleared? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's no further investigation. Well, the, uh, the bartender or whatever that he allegedly slapped said they weren't going to press charges, so it's like, okay, whatever. All right, so that's done. But they say Miami, okay, he's in Florida. He went to Florida State. He trains down there. Like, all right, that makes sense. Uh, They're going to run with Mike McDaniel, who is my dude. Uh, But when Keyshawn Johnson comes out and he says, like, you know, Dalvin Cook makes the most sense for the Denver Broncos, I just have to kind of disagree with that. Um For a few reasons. One, it's the money. Uh, Follow the money. If you said, hey, you can get Dalvin Cook for $3 million, okay, sign me up. All on board. And this is nothing to do with Dalvin Cook. This has to do with the other guys and the other guys who Keyshawn has not seen. And you go down the depth chart. I'll even get to a Jaleel McLaughlin. D-Mac and I were talking about that before D took off. It's like, yeah, we've seen Jaleel McLaughlin. Dude looks amazing. And should push for the 53. Maybe the practice squad is where they stash him, but don't be surprised if he got stolen off you. This dude's Philip Lindsay with hands and more speed. So you like the sounds of that, huh, Broncos country? You like that? You like that? I sound like uh, Jack Black and Tenacious D. You like that? Um, Guess who was listening to Tenacious D today? Anyway, uh, when I look at the situation for Dalvin Cook, I'm like, well, he's got plenty of spots. It's not Denver. And if it ends up being Denver, then good. Like, Dalvin Cook is a very good running back. But, again, my issue with Dalvin Cook has nothing to do with him as a player and his skill set and what he's done and all that. The issues I have with the Broncos getting Dalvin Cook is it doesn't does not make Chewbacca defense, right? doesn't not make sense. It does not make sense. Because you have Javante Williams, who, I don't know, am I going to get in trouble? Please, for the love of God, ease up on that. All right, Sean Payton, we're not out to get you. Okay, the Denver media is not the New York media, all right? We're all puppy dogs except for D-Mac and Eric Goodman. Like, we're not out to get you. We're not, you know, there's no gotcha moments. Like, nobody's going to ask you about the bong rip or whatever. Like, Sean Payton, we're all your friends, okay? We're all your buddies. 
So when I say Javante Williams looked good, I don't want to get in trouble for that because we can't say what we saw at minicamp, blah, blah, blah. Javante did more stuff than I thought he would do. Okay? Javante looked more explosive than I thought he would. Javante was making cuts. Javante was catching passes. Like, again, I don't know why I would get in trouble for that, for just saying those words that I just said, but the Broncos' new media policy is a little Orwellian, shall we say. Was it Arthur C. Clark? Thank you. Johnny Cochran. Uh, was it Arthur C. Clarke that wrote these new media rule, rules? That's a deep pull, by the way. Uh, anyway, if I look at the Dalvin Cook situation with the way Javante looks, you don't need him. Samaji Pirine's a damn good running back. I know I had a little bit of a thumb scare at uh, mandatory minicamp. He's okay. Sean Payton has said that, so I'm free to talk about Samaji Pirine, a little bit of a thumb bruise. But, like, Pirine's a good starter. And, again, Dalvin Cook is better. Dalvin Cook is better than Javante Williams. Dalvin Cook is better than Samaji Pirine. But when you have Javante Williams and Samaji Pirine at a cost-controlled price, that's better than spending $10 million for one year at Dalvin Cook. It just is. It's got to financially make sense. It's not football business. It's the business of football. Where have I heard that before? But either way, when we go into the Broncos' room of running backs – and you see all this talent, and you see the guys like Ajilo McLaughlin who are pushing for that spot, um, and, and you understand, like, wait a second, like, they don't, this is going to be a run-heavy team, no doubt. I mean, they are going to run the ball, and then they're going to run the ball some more. So they're going to need Javante, they're going to need Samaje, they'll need a third back, whoever that may be, and they will be looking at other backs that get cut out there. Um, hell, James Robinson can't make a team now. I think he was with the Patriots for like a month, and then they cut him. This is a former 1,000-yard rusher. Uh, as an undrafted rookie, I believe, top of my head. But, like, yeah, James Robinson's good. He just, I guess he's banged up. I guess he's not healthy. But, you know, again, cost-controlled price, veteran, starting experience. Would they look at a Robinson? I know Kareem Hunt's still kicking around out there. So there's still enough veteran backs out there that I don't think the Broncos need to pounce right now. So when Keyshawn says it makes the most sense for the Broncos, he's not completely wrong, but he just doesn't have all the information. And again, this doesn't have anything to do with Keyshawn. I just think from a national perspective, you're not gonna, he's not going to have ever seen Jaleel McLaughlin, okay? And again, Keyshawn's awesome. He's the greatest guy ever, whatever I have to say. But when you say that, it just means, oh, you haven't watched the Broncos. <laughs> like, you haven't been at mandatory minicamp. At least Keyshawn's not painting himself as an insider. There's nothing more bristling than the local reporter who's like, I'm an insider. They're not at mandatory minicamp. Like, oh, really? Insider, huh? Okay. Is that, well, are we playing pretend? This is like Waterboy, right? Pretend? Like, yeah, okay. I'm an insider. Uh, anyway, I don't, don't, get me, don't get me started on that rant again. I tend to get on these rants. And I haven't gone pro wrestler yet, but I will within the next 43 minutes, whatever. Um, Captain Insano shows no mercy. That's right. Because every time I'm on a show by myself, I end up saying, that's the bottom line. But with this backfield, like, Dalvin Cook is nice, and it's unnecessary right now. Let's say Javante, and I really thought George Payton was full of it. Sorry, George. I love you. Nah, I mean, I like you. Um, I think I'm the only one in the Denver media to actually call George Payton out on his lousy picks, like last year, taking DeLarian Turner-Yell over Tariq Woolen. Don't get me started on that rant either. But, like, I like George Payton. Um, 
I don't think he needs to make this move. And when George Payton said at the Combine, like, Javante Williams, we feel good about him in week one of the regular season and training camp. And I was like, ooh, that's a, whoa, 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 whoa. George, slow down there. Slow down, buddy. Uh, He's up there, Kohotek. Like, uh, no, actually, George Payton was right. He was right on the money with Javante Williams. Williams must be that freak recovery, Adrian Peterson-like type of player. And you never know until you get there, and obviously you don't want to get there. Hey, shred your knee so I can see how you recover. Like, you don't want that. So going into this, especially with a multi-ligament knee injury, it was one of those things like, uh uh-oh, um... There's a problem. This is not just an ACL. This is other ligaments within that knee. Javante Williams, I mean, he's just got to be a freak. He's just got to be a freak. This was late October when he got surgery. Late October. Usually, used to be 18 months. So, uh, I've said it before, but years ago, a guy like Terry Allen, shout out Clemson and Washington and New Orleans and Minnesota, where he played pro ball. He'd shred his knee, run for 1,000 yards, shred his knee, run for 1,000 yards, shred his knee, miss a year, run for 1,000 yards. So, like, every third year, Terry Allen was running for 1,000 yards somewhere. I think it was in New England as well. Don't know if he got 1K in New England. But either way, like, it was. it just took so long for the body to recover. This is in the 90s. I'm the guy that's stuck in the 90s. I just poked fun at Colin for liking baseball. Okay, go ahead. I'm. I still listen to grunge. I was just playing Alice in Chains earlier. Like, okay, right. I'm stuck in the '90s, but it used to be medical technology wasn't that far advanced, so it would take 18 months to be truly yourself. Javante sitting. If we just say November to say he's like eight months. He's like eight months from a multi-ligament knee injury, and he's out there looking good. Again, please don't get me in trouble for saying Javante looked good. Is that allowed? Like, we we can't be over the top with these rules, okay? Like, it's just, it's a little ridiculous. Again, because Sean Payton, we're all puppy dogs, except for D-Mac and Eric Goodman. But I look at this and I go, okay, Javante's looking good. I mean, damn near 100%, whatever you want to say. Like, put a a percentage on it, and I'm going to tell you, up, right? Higher, higher. I mean, like, price is right, right? A little yodeler thing. Like, is this the price? No, higher. Higher. Like, is this a percentage for Javante? Higher. Higher. It was he 75%? Higher. 80%? Higher. 90%? Higher. Legal weed. Exactly. Higher. Like Mike Evans and his legal weed and his terrible Tim Tebow tattoo. I can't believe DMAC doesn't think that's a terrible tattoo. I know DMAC got the Drew Locke, like, four leaf clover or whatever, which is a terrible tattoo. Sorry, D. Uh, and he's got the Red Sox tattoo on his ankle that looks like a birthmark. It's so faded, it's so old. He even said that this morning. So I'm I'm poking fun at D, but he even said it this morning. Like his red have you seen a Colin, his Red Sox tattoo? No, no, but he was talking about it being completely gone. Yeah. It's just faded. It, it was like, you know, oh, it's, you've got a little you know, you little rash or whatever on your ankle. Oh, you throw some water some cream on that, you clear it right up. That's what it looks like. It doesn't look like a tattoo. Um and again, I'm not against ink as someone with no tattoos. I'm just against bad ink. And as someone who was just in Las Vegas at Circa, um, I saw a lot of bad ink. <laughs> I saw a lot of people at the pool with bad ink. And I'm just like, wow, there's some tattoo artists straight up stealing from you all out there. Like, seriously? That's what you're going to get permanently on your body? Okay. So Mike Evans and his terrible Tim Tebow tattoo, uh, notwithstanding... This running back situation is going to be Javante, Samaje, Javante, Samaje, 
uh, maybe a punt mixed in there somewhere. But, like, it's going to be as run heavy as you can be in today's pro game. So if you want to say 50-50, speaking of 50-50, I think it's a 50-50 split. Again, I'm not revealing anything that I saw at mandatory minicamp, just to be clear, and so I don't get in trouble. I think, this is just me speculating, I think it's going to be a 50-50 split between Javante and Samaje. If that's a fantasy alert for you, then so be it. That's your fantasy alert of the day. But Samaje might too. Samaje Pirine, pretty damn good at running fools over. So you've got two power backs, you've got some speed. Again, Jaleel McLaughlin, know the name. And I hope it makes the team. We'll know more in training camp. But he is Philip Lindsay with more speed and, and hands. And we all love Phil. All due respect in case his family is listening, because I know they got mad at me when he was here. And I was like, can this guy be that speed element to this ground game? I think the answer is yes. I think it's tremendously yes with uh, what we're seeing now from this Broncos backfield. And what they should be this season and what they should be again is leading the league in carries, but not a single player to do that. Not just Javante, not just Samaje. It's going to be both at the same time. It's going to be both working in tandem, working together to, you know, make sure that they keep Russell Wilson in check. They keep Russell Wilkinson in check. And that's the thing that you need if you are the Broncos. And I'll get into what Russell needs to do. I'll get into what Russell can't do at this point. And I can't believe there's actually some Russell Wilson defenders out there, which is very odd to me um, because there were people like, you're just so down on Russell Wilson. I'm not down on Russell Wilson. I believe I'm realistic about Russell Wilson. We all need to calm down on this stuff. And I think... um, Honestly, I, I think we can blame uh, new media. Not to sound like the old guy who's stuck in with my newspapers, but like there is a lot of people that just say everything's great with Russ. Everything's going to be great, and he's bounced back, and he's going to be fine. Like I'm not going to say that. I need to see it. I think Russ can be good. I think Russ can be the best version of himself under Sean Payton. There's no doubt about that. I think that's going to happen. One, because of Russell Wilson's work ethic. And two, because of Sean Payton's plan for one Russell Wilson. But when I look at this and I go, is Russell Wilson going to be great this year? The answer is staring at you right in the face. Like, is he going to be great this year? No, the team's going to run the hell out of the ball because they know they have to limit what he does as a passer. Like, they have to limit what he does uh, in terms of running the offense, this isn't going to be fill the air with footballs. This isn't going to be pass happy. This isn't going to be Sean Payton, Drew Brees offense. Sean Payton may want that, but remember, he's a Parcells disciple. And what do we know about Bill Parcells and the notorious B.I.G. Tuna? What do we know? You're going to run the ball. You're going to play great defense. You're going to get after the quarterback. That's what we know about Parcells football. And if you have um, strong quarterback play, as Parcells did uh, certainly throughout his coaching career with various quarterbacks, then that's a bonus. But the foundation, the core of what Sean Payton is going to do in Denver, uh, the Drew Brees things was just realizing that Drew Brees was so damn good and how you could craft that offense for him. It's one of the greatest coaching jobs uh, from Sean Payton. 
because we know Drew Brees with the San Diego Chargers was not the same. He wasn't unleashed the way he was unleashed with the New Orleans Saints, and that comes from good coaching. Not to say that it got poor coaching with the Chargers, but it was just um, Sean Payton didn't necessarily go away from what he does or what he wants to do, but he just realized the best way to win was let Drew Brees throw for 5,000 yards. And he did that all the way to a Super Bowl championship. So here, and this is a great thing about Sean Payton, like when people say Sean Payton's going to have a top five passing offense, again, not to argue with folks on Twitter because Twitter is the lowest common denominator. And as I learn how to speak English, I'll learn denominator. I think it's silly when grown men are like, fight me on Twitter. That's just dumb. Don't say that. That makes you look dumb, especially if you're in the media and you're talking about fight me, bro. Like, oh, shut up, please. Like, nobody's going to fight you, okay? And we shouldn't be calling for physical violence anyway. But when I would argue with folks on Twitter or at least debate, because I don't have time to argue with anyone. I just, if you want to debate, that's great. Um, But know that Sean Payton, and these are mostly fantasy questions that I get, um, sometimes on Xbox, (laughs) which Colin really, really, really bothers me, because, like, if I'm playing PUBG, I'm shutting my brain off, okay? I don't need to know who do I start this week. I, I love you, I appreciate you, but I'm not there for you. I'm there for me. So if you ever see Grimjack 1977 pop up on your Xbox, like, Grimjack 1977's online, that doesn't mean it's time to ask me about the Broncos. I'm sorry. Do I sound bad saying the, that? The, the fantasy hour isn't uh, while you're playing PUBG. You're saying. <laughs> All right. Well, either way, when I look at the Sean Payton offense, it's going to be to run the ball because you cannot yet trust Russell Wilson, and Russell Wilson can't do what Drew Brees did. It doesn't mean that Drew Brees is a thousand times better and Russ sucks or whatever. Like, we, we all need to stop this. And, and I think someone on Twitter was like, or it might have been Facebook, whatever, and someone was like, Russell Wilson's a way better guy than you schlebs and the schlups or something in the media. And I'm like, when did I ever say Russell Wilson was a bad guy? Like, that's just dumb. Don't be dumb. Rule number one in life, don't be dumb, okay? Russell Wilson's a better person. Yeah, Russell Wilson's a better person than a lot of us out there. He's a damn good guy. And I dig that about him, man. But when I have some critiques of his game, it's not because I think he's a bad guy. It doesn't even mean that I think he's a bad quarterback. It's just that I have eyeballs and I understand reality. And the reality is, I don't think Russell Wilson's going to look great this year. I think he's going to look good. I think he's going to look the best version of himself. I think he might even look very good. But I don't think he's going to look great. And honestly, I think he does need to look great. So what does that mean? Well, I got the whole offseason to unpack that for you. But just know that the Dalvin Cook thing, if it comes to fruition, it's just lanyap, as Brandon Stokely would say. It's gravy on the top, right? It's extra. It's good. But you don't need him, and you don't need to spend $10 million to secure the services of a Dalvin Cook, especially with the way that Javante's looked, especially with what you have in Samaje Pirine. And if Javante wasn't going to be ready week one, if they had to pup him or something like that, and then you're like, okay, now you're going to miss six weeks, and then we'll see, and it's Samaje for six weeks by himself. Samaje, um, he's gotten better as a receiver. I loved him coming out of college. He's my motorboat rookie of the year. Like, I love Samaj P. Ryan. He had eight touchdowns and 300 yards in a game. I think I think it was Northwestern. 
Colin looked that up for me. But either way, like, I love Samaji P. Ryan. There's no doubt. No one is a larger fanboy of Samaji P. Ryan than myself. But I like him working in tandem with someone. I like him in a committee. I like him as a 1A um, or a 1B, you know, whatever. And I think that's what you're going to get this year. If he was the lone guy to start the season and Javante wasn't available, then you'd say, okay, you know, do you wear him out? Does he do too much? Is he He's better as a receiver now. He's great in pass protection. So, like, okay, that's not the issue there. But what is the true issue with this backfield? To me, it's use them, use them up, use them all up. And I know that sounds cruel. Uh, mamas, don't let your babies grow up to be running backs, right? Is that what it is? It was against Kansas. It was against BK's Kansas Jayhawks. November 21st, 2014, 427. Okay, there you go. All right. Um, Well, we look at this now and we go, all right, they're going to run the ball. They're going to play great defense. They're going to get after the quarterback. Well, who's the pressure on? And I think this is where the Russell Wilson defenders came after me, which I don't even know why because, again, I'm not anti-Russell Wilson at all. Um, But it's just like, okay, the pressure's on Russ. Because you know they're going to run the hell out of the ball. You know Sean Payton's going to have a good offense. You know Sean Payton's going to be good at play calling. They, Nathaniel Hackett, Frankenstein, doesn't know, head in the clouds, whatever you want to say about Hackett. I don't have a lot good to say about him, so as my grandma would say, if you don't have something nice to say about someone, don't say it at all. So I'll, that's all I have to say about that with Nathaniel Hackett. Just know, you know, if... Uh, <laughs> Well, there's a million ways I could go and probably get in trouble for saying it. Just no hack, it wasn't good for this team at all. Like, at all whatsoever, in any capacity whatsoever. Just uh, pretty much terrible at his job in every capacity, uh, quite possibly. Anyway, Sean Payton's going to call good game plans. Sean Payton's going to craft a good offense. And Russell Wilson's going to listen. And Russell Wilson's going to be handing the ball off a lot because he can't put it on his shoulders this year. He can't. There may be moments he needs to. And in those moments, I want Russ to be good or very good. In those moments, you will need Russell Wilson to make that throw, make that moon ball play. That's what you'll need once in a while. He can't do it all the time. But he's going to have to put, you know, pull the rabbit out of his hat, magic trick, whatever. He's going to have to do it a few times, probably in close games. And guess what, Broncos country? Make sure your heart's in good condition because I think you're going to be cardiac kids this year. I think it's going to be a lot of close games for the Broncos. But either way, what can Russ do in this offense? What does he need to do to succeed under Sean Payton? I'll tell you next. We are back and we are live. It is Denver Sports Tonight. I'm your host, Cecil Lammy, talking about what Russell Wilson needs to do to succeed under Sean Payton and what he will do. Russell Wilson will look good and potentially very good this year. He will not look great this year. And if that's something that you can't, Realize Well, I'm sorry, but that's the way it's going to be uh, this season with Russell Wilson. So what does he need to do? First and foremost, and he will do these things, I want to assure you. Everyone's so damn sensitive now. You hate Russell Wilson. No, I don't. Don't hate Russell Wilson. Just like telling the truth, and I like good football. Russ is capable of playing good football. And the first thing he needs to do is just whatever Sean Payton tells him. I know that in Seattle, and I was, I don't, I don't want to say proudly, but I was the first to report that Russell Wilson would be available for trade, and I did that, I think, three years ago. 
It was roughly three years ago um, because I remember I was in a war room with Stokely and Zach, and they they give me full credit, which I appreciate, but they were beside themselves. Like, what are you talking about? Because three or four years ago, when I first picked up on this from the Seattle side, because I understand, and there were some great Seattle reporters. Seattle's got some really good reporters. They got some turds, but they got some really good reporters as well. They had some of the really good reporters that were saying like, oh, this is from Russell Wilson's agent, and, you know, that's it. That's fake news or whatever. And I countered that by saying, like, I don't talk to his agent. I generally i am friendly with agents, and I wish Mike McCartney liked me. Um, I'm friendly with agents, but I don't talk to them. There are people that proclaim themselves as insiders and then don't show up to mandatory minicamp who talk to agents all the time and then run with what agents will tell you the sky's purple, like if it helps their client. So, you know, again, I don't talk to agents regularly. I might check in with friends that I've met over the last 20 years of doing this, but like I never talked to Mark Rogers and that information I got from Seattle was from within the building from coaches and teammates. Like, it, it had run its course with Russell Wilson. And the improvisation that Russell had under Pete Carroll drove a wedge between the two. Um, you know, it's just the God's honest truth. You know, I, I don't think Pete Carroll hates Russell Wilson. I know Russell Wilson doesn't hate Pete Carroll. But what caused the rift wasn't, you know, the celebrity of Russell Wilson. It wasn't whatever him holding on to the ball too long or whatever, which he did, by the way. And Seattle's offensive line was hot, sneaky garbage. Speaking of turds, like, their offensive line in front of Russell Wilson largely got him killed. I mean, just was not a good group of offensive linemen whatsoever in Seattle. Um, a few here and there, whatever. But, like, the rift was caused because Russ didn't listen. And now... To defend Russ, like Pete Carroll's offense was like, you know, I'm not even going to say stuck in the 90s, <laughs> stuck in the 70s maybe, you know, like uh, no creativity, no imagination. Like it's pretty basic. Um, as someone who charts plays, which I tell everybody, if you want to be the best football fan you can be, then chart plays. Like go through, get Pat Kerwin's book. I wish Pat Kerwin liked me. <laughs> me and my big mouth. I said something about Jim Miller being like, Super fat and uh, Pat over, and Jim overheard me. <laughs> it was at uh, Ruth's Chris in Mobile, Alabama. Might have had some cold pops, a little loudmouth soup. And I told my buddies Matt Waldman and Dr. Gene Brammel, I said, hey, if I ever get as fat as Jim Miller, somebody take me out. And Jim was sitting at the bar with Pat. And then they got up to leave after I said that because I have a big mouth and it was a small room off to the side. It wasn't in the, the main part of the restaurant. And I feel really bad because I think Jim Miller's a fine analyst, and I love Pat Kerwin. Like, I love him. And before I opened my big mouth about Jim Miller being super fat, I was, like, you know, friendly enough with Pat Kerwin. Either way, uh, the moral of the story, kids, is don't have a big mouth like me. But anyway, Pat Kerwin's book, Take Your Eye Off the Ball. Everyone needs it. You have to get it. Get the copy with the DVD and watch and learn how to chart plays. So as someone who charts plays, I'll tell you two things. One, I knew Greg Roman's offense, like the back of my hand. I could predict. And if I can do it, just some big mouth radio guy with wild hair. Derek Wolf asked me if I rode my chopper in today because my hair is wild. And I, I got super sad because I sold my chopper years ago, maybe even 10 years ago now, um, because riding a motorcycle in Denver sucks. Okay? Absolutely sucks. Y'all are crazy out there. 
Do I have to blame the Californians or the Texans or whatever? Like, yeah, uh, riding a motorcycle in Denver sucks. Riding a motorcycle in the mountains is awesome. Riding a motorcycle back home out in the country in the middle of nowhere, that's awesome. I learned how to ride a motorcycle before I rode a bicycle because I grew up in the country. I was riding a dirt bike before I ever rode a bike. Why would I have a bicycle? Like, what? Pedal it yourself. I got horses. I got dirt bikes. I don't need a bicycle. Get out of here with that BMX stuff. Although I did want a BMX bike. Anyway, point is this. What's my point? The point is when I look at Russell Wilson and that rift, it was because he wasn't listening to Pete Carroll. Now, Pete Carroll needed to kind of get with the times, Pete. You have to smack your gum all the time, Pete. Um, So, you know, part of the blame is on Pete Carroll for having a garbage offense because when I chart plays, you know, I could tell. Exactly what Pete Carroll's going to do. I can still do that to this day because the Seattle offense is super easy to figure out, just like Greg Roman's offense with Lamar Jackson. Everyone blames Lamar Jackson. I'm like, get him an offense for the love of God, Greg Roman. And again, I love the ground game. I love 90s football when even Harold Green had a 1,000 yards rushing. But, like, seriously, everybody get a grip. you got to modernize yourself. And Sean Payton, even though they will run the ball, there are going to be modern wrinkles. Russell Wilson's not going to get bored in this offense. One, even if he was, you know what I'd tell him? Like, you'll be all right. If Russell Wilson ever came to me and I'm Sean Payton, he's like, Coach, I need to talk to you. Hey, close the door. Russ, yeah, what do you need, Russ? I'm here for you. What do you What do you want? What do you need here? Uh, you know, what's going on, baby? I call everybody baby, by the way. One of my buddies, who I guess newer buddy, got all offended because I called him baby. And he's like, you're blowing me off. I'm like, baby, calm down, baby. Like, I don't, I don't, I call everybody baby, like light and sweet baby. So I would tell Russell Wilson, baby, what do you need? And then he'd say, like, I'm bored with your offense. I'd be like, you'll be all right. You know, get over it. Like, Russell Wilson, you are not in a position where you can have the strongest opinion about the offense that you're going to run. You know what you're going to do? You're going to listen. You're going to follow the plan. And you're going to win games. You want that? You like that? Again, back to Jack Black. You like that? Huh? Russ? You like those W's? You want to be like Jameis, eating those W's? Because that's what you're going to do if you listen to Sean Payton. I told you there were other things, and there are many things. I only have an hour, everybody. And again, I have a big mouth. But the first thing Russell Wilson needs to do is let go of any sort of semblance of like, hey, what about this? Hey, how about this? Hey, I was thinking running this. Hey, I'm going to improvise here. No, you can't do that. Because last year, and this is another problem with Nathaniel Hackett, last year Nathaniel Hackett let... Russ, do whatever you like. <laughs> you can have whatever you like. And with Russell Wilson, it was awful. And it was awful because when Hackett did chime in, he didn't chime in with anything good. He didn't chime in with anything that worked. It was just bad all the way around. I wish I could cuss. But anyway, call and get the dump button ready because I feel an urge coming. I work in profanity like an artist works in oil and clay. But, like, Russ, you got to listen, dude. You got to listen. And I I believe Russell Wilson will. I do not think that will be a problem whatsoever. I don't think Russ has an ego in that way. Russ has an ego in a different way. Russ always knows where the cameras are. Russ is always on, unless he puffs up to me about asking about backing up Tim Tebow. But, like, Russ is always on. So, yes, there is an ego that way, which is fine. Everyone cracks wise at me, like, oh, you got such a big big mouth and a big head. I'm like, yeah? I mean, what do you want me to do, crack a mic and be like, I don't know, guys. I don't know anything. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. How about you? Go Broncos. That's not a show. That's not being an analyst. That's not being good at your job. 
Like, seriously. So when I say Russell Wilson has an ego, I don't want Mark Sanchez, the Stuart Smalley of the NFL, because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. I don't want that at all. You want to talk about hot, stinky garbage? I want my quarterback to be like, I'm the man. I'm the man. Even if he's not the man, I want to be like, I'm the man. Uh, But this year under Sean Payton, I'd be like, I'm the man, but that other guy tells me what to do. (laughs) Like, because Sean Payton, like, Russ... Please, for the love of God, Russell Wilson, if you listen, this is like the uh, Field of Dreams. See, Colin, I'm talking more baseball because you're here with me. It's like Field of Dreams. If you build it, they will come. Russ, if you listen, you will win. Bottom line, Russell Wilson, if you listen, you will win. Okay? So put it all on Sean Payton. Put it all on him. Do everything that Sean Payton wants you to do within the structure of this offense. Because you know what? It's going to work. And you know what's going to happen when it works? You're going to rejuvenate your career. And you know what's going to happen then? Either the Broncos are going to keep you around for a hefty price, or you're going to improve yourself so much that other teams will be interested in signing you to a big money deal or taking over your contract with the Broncos eating some of your contract. Whatever the case may be, Russell Wilson, you talking about money, it don't make dollars, it don't make sense? Yeah, guess what? If you don't listen to Sean Payton, your career is ruined. If you do not listen to what Sean Payton is telling you, your career is going to be shot because you blew it up with Pete Carroll, right? That fell apart. Pete Carroll, nicest guy ever. Stop chomping the gum, Pete. Nathaniel Hackett's whatever. I don't want to get in trouble, but like, I don't, wanna, don't be mean. Nathaniel Hackett was not good at his job. That guy got ran out of town. Pretty soon in a relationship, do you ever get to the point where it's like, it's not me, it's you? Uh, and it's, oh, wait, wait. Or it's not you, it's me. No, no, no. Russ, Russ. If it doesn't work through three coaches in three years, guess what? It ain't them. It's not them, buddy. It's you. If you listen, you will win. I believe Russell Wilson will listen to Sean Payton. I believe the Broncos will win this year. But how much? And talk about pressure. What about my guy, Vance Joseph, huh? How has he changed? I'll tell you next. Man, I'm glad I don't look like Vince Neal anymore. Right, fellas? Yeah. Vince Neal, everybody? This whole show, all I'm doing is making fun of overweight people. Sorry, I'm that jerk. Uh, Cecil Lammy, Denver Sports Tonight. Talking about Vance Joseph. He's in shape. He's not, uh, what do you call <laughs> Was it Philip Lindsay called little chubby guy, right? Like, uh, he, he called somebody a little chubby guy. I think he did call Phil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably still on the board because Vance Joseph drops are the greatest drops of all time. Mankind was created by our Lord and Savior, and then Vance Joseph drops were created by our Lord and Savior because it's the greatest thing ever. If I can hear Vance Joseph, we're back, or he's a tall guy, or he's a little chubby fella, or whatever he said about Phil. Um, those are awesome. Vance Joseph is different today. Dare I say, Vance Joseph is better today. Vance Joseph had a different feel um, at his press conference last week. And being around VJ and every open press conference that he had when he was head coach of the Denver Broncos, and generally enjoying Vance Joseph. No, not the results. Um, the results with VJ were bad, but remember Kyle Shanahan, who we all love and who honestly should be the coach here to this day, Kyle Shanahan had the same record as Vance Joseph the first two years. 
Chubby. Just saying. Uh, Vance also had no power whatsoever. I'm not going to say it was John Elway that told him what to do because I still want to go have a tumbler of bourbon with John Elway sometime. John, why haven't you called me? I know you have my number. Anyway, um, I'll just say this. like Vance Joseph didn't have any power. He'd, he'd plan something, and then those plans would be rearranged and changed. Um, you know, he's like Fred Durst, rearranged. So Vance Joseph now seems different, more in charge, more sure of himself. Certainly happy to be here. I mean, my God, you get away from Arizona and that disaster. I'm not even talking about Kyler Murray's dad. And to all the sports parents out there, especially that one lady that told me to blank off when she was on my own team, one of the other team moms, and uh, she got mad because her son, she, she thought her son got clipped, but he's in the tackle box, and I said that's legal. And she, kept, I thought we were going to get a flag. She kept going on and on, kept yelling at the ref, but I was like, we're going to get a flag. That's a legal play. And she turns around. She's running the chains. She turns around and tells me to blank off. I was like, oh, nice. Way to go. Uh, sports parents, don't be, don't be that way, okay? Don't be Kyler Murray's dad. Don't be telling your team, like, well, you need to make it easy for my son. Make sure he gets his Xbox time in or whatever. Like, Kyler Murray's dad is a problem in Arizona. Uh, so was Steve Kime. Still was Cliff Kingsbury. I know it's not Arizona sports. That's our sister station. I wonder how much they say about that. Because it was, if you know the behind-the-scenes stuff, it was really bad. Really, really bad. Um, Vance Joseph is glad to be out of there. Vance Joseph is glad to be here. He understands the opportunity, and I think he's going to be a head coach again someday. Maybe that someday is next year, based on how this defense plays. But when Vance Joseph spoke, and I was listening, and he did seem different, maybe not as naive, I guess would be the right way to say it. Like, I don't think Vance Joseph himself is naive, but there was a bit of naivete when he was head coach because, you know, he's new. And at least us in the media wouldn't tell him what to do. <laughs> Maybe John and everyone else behind the scenes told him what to do. But, like, we're, we're just happy to talk. Hey, coach, what's up, BJ? So he seems less naive now, more sure of himself, and understanding the opportunity that's in front of him. You have Sean Payton on the other side. I mean, my God, you know this isn't going to be your defense just dragging the offense around. This is going to be a team. And I think that's one of the most awesome things about the Broncos this year that makes me so blankety-blank happy is that they're going to be a team now. This isn't just, hey, they got a great defense. What about their offense? They got a great defense. Like, this is everybody, 53, working as one. And Vance Joseph having Sean Payton, if that doesn't fire you up, having that guy run the other side of the ball, then, you know, check your pulse, right? So Vance Joseph is going to be doing what this defense did last year, and he's going to be aggressive with it. He has to be aggressive with it because he doesn't have any other choice. I think his pass rushers have large question marks. Specifically, Randy Gregory, if he can stay healthy. Baron Browning, when does he get healthy? Jonathan Cooper, does he take that next step? Frank Clark, you know, how much can you use Frank Clark at this point? I think he's a fine. Here's your Sean Phillips. You know, get him to 10 sacks. Use him as a reserve type of guy. Sean Phillips was good for whatever that one year was uh, when he was in the Mile High City. But I look at that question with those pass rushes, and I go, okay, VJ, 
you're going to have to bring that middle blitz. You're going to have to bring Kwan Williams on a corner blitz. Like, you're going to have to do these things. You're going to have to be creative. You're going to have to be aggressive. And I think Vance Joseph will be both of those things. I think that's very good news for the Broncos. And when he said last week he's going to do what they did last year and then build on that, I loved that. Because you don't want to take what that defense did, and they're a really good defense, not every game. Don't make me talk about Christmas. Um, Not every game, but most every game, they're a great defense. So now you take that, you sprinkle a little sugar on it, although that was a Joe Woods quote. (laughs) Sprinkle a little sugar on it, like you spice it up, and you get these playmakers to make plays for you. And the defense has a ton of playmakers, and they're going to be so happy that the offense is there as well. This is a team in Denver. It's togetherness in Denver with the Broncos in the Mile High City, and I dig that. Sign up for that Denver Sports Daily every morning, hot and fresh to your inbox. The top sports news from around the Mile High City right to your inbox. You've got a life we don't. DenverSports.com. No damn paywalls. So check us out. Thanks to Colin. I'm Cecil Lammy saying appreciate y'all. Stay frosty. Feel